Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 366 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Mike Rouse of Anstream about their video game streaming service. Well, that kind of ended abruptly, didn't it? But it's true. Anstream is a service that's been around for a couple of years now, maybe probably longer. And full disclosure, I did back it on Kickstarter, and it is well known for streaming games that are of the older bent, so to speak. Um, past 20, 30 years, sometimes 40 years old, these games appear on the service and they are streamed directly to you via various platforms. One various platforms, as I say, has a single piece of software. You don't actually download anything except the streaming service and then you just stream it directly to your device, whatever that may be. And at the moment, it focuses principally on older games, but it's going to be expanding out to newer ones sooner or later. But... I really love this service and I was really excited to have Mike on to talk about it because it does very much align with what we do here over at Kane and Rinse, talking about playing games for the sake of playing them because they're games and they're great and any service that affords or eases the passage of actually playing games then that's something that should be applauded. Which is why I kind of like Anstream. More than kind of like, I definitely like Anstream. Because it works. It generally works. The lag is not really there. It's, And that's the thing about streaming of uh, video games. That's the biggest problem. And these games are all focused on fast reactions. And it genuinely, genuinely works. So let's hear that how that happens. So we just listen to me, talk to Mike, to see how it all come to be, or came to be, I should say. So, uh, yes, that's the, I'm, I'm now waffling. Well, I was waffling about a minute ago, but I'm really waffling now. So I better shut up. Chris, please get us out of this mess. Mike. Hi. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, uh, my name's Mike Rouse and uh, I head up the studio at Antstream. And I guess for the last 20 plus years, I've been a games developer. Right. So that, that's, that's a quite a shift from what Anstream does, which we're going to talk about later on in the show. Mm. So what you what you do. So how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games, as you like to call them, just to differentiate from tabletop games, which we're also a fan of in this yes. fine outlet. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did I get into it? Um, yeah. So... Yeah. I always wanted to be in games since a young boy. And so I kind of just um, did everything I could to move into games. And I got my chance in uh, early 2000 uh, where I, I got a job at Sony PlayStation. Uh, and I worked on a game called This Is Football. Uh, and then uh, went on and worked on a game called The Getaway uh, as a, a vehicle artist. Uh, and that was my kind of introduction to uh, the games industry, the video games industry. The Getaway was a very important title for the PlayStation 2, which mm. I have one just behind me. can't see it. Oh, right. <laughs> but it's a silver one. I can never get my head around the fact that so much entertainment can be gleaned from such a small piece of plastic and yes. not the circuitry. But it's amazing how Sony managed to, to squeeze all of that power into such a small, small box yes they took the power supply out i got that but that's not the point they've done way more than that astonishing yeah. 
Absolutely astonishing. And he even plays PlayStation 1 games. It's just... <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's just insane. Um, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, that's, that's quite um, a thing. So did you remain at Sony for a while or did you move on? To I did. Um, yeah. I was there for 12 years. Um, I created something called the PlayStation Trophy System. Uh, sold that into Kaz Harai with, uh, with the help of Phil Harrison. Um, I made a game um, called uh, Wonderbook. Um, and I ran that whole platform and, uh, what else I do? Uh, PlayStation home, uh, four or five of us, we had this game called the getaway online, um, uh, which, um, because of PlayStation two's limited online functionality didn't make the cut. And so we made a prototype of an online community on PlayStation two called PlayStation home, uh, which we eventually brought to the PlayStation three, uh, also worked on things like SingStar and a, a couple of other stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, finished um, finished in 2012 as um, a development director at uh, Sony's London studio, uh, where I then went uh, over to uh, the competition uh, and set up a studio as a studio director at uh, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft's first London Xbox studio. Wow. So I've got to say thank you for the PlayStation 3 stuff. I still have mine. Not the launch one anymore. It got louder and louder and louder. Yes. No offense to your former employers, but it was a great machine. But it just, it, I had to sell it on because, like, I can't repair. I know what's going to happen. It wasn't. It wasn't. Didn't stop working. It was just hitting. I was like trying to clean it out. I was like, it's just. It, I can't. I can't. I know yeah. what had happened. I know what had happened. But I just nothing. I was like, I can't get in there. I'm not. Get, I'm not going to make it worse. <laughs> so I had to stop. So I have a super slim playstation 3 which is the mm. most reliable playstation 3 by the way if you the bit of consumer advice if you want a playstation 3 in my opinion it's it's get a playstation slim super slim super slim not the slim the super slim, the very last one that was released because that's built from really good sort of solid stock i've found uh so yeah and i still so thanks for that and then we're making the shift say you make the shift but i think ever since 2012 2012 was a very important year not only if you career-wise but a lot of things changed because barrier of entry dropped massively. Mm. All of a sudden, you didn't know need to know that much assembly to get games to work. Um, you had these libraries and had these sort of high-level languages now coming to the fore, which you know we've spoken about a lot on this show. And, and mm. the, the C plus pluses and the C sharps and the Unities and the and the Unreal engines and all that stuff. This this now exists, and the only people hitting the hardware are the driver creators. Right. Yeah. So, yep. and that's something that's a, a we're going to talk about later on in the show about how that. I'm not sure when that shift occurred. You were closer to it than I, but I think I think it's just when the PlayStation One arrived, very soon after that, 1995, 96, 97, that kind of era, that late 90s when things started to move away from having to chip away at the very raw sort of like memory addresses <laughs> things, mm, yeah. Yeah. shifting things and like well no it just becomes rather abstract uh, to something that's more it's a little easier I'm not, mm. not please don't think uh, the library creators for the PlayStation were phenomenal one of us one of the reasons it's so successful as opposed to Saturn um, because of the the, the, the the quality of the libraries that were available they weren't perfect far from it but they're a star right they were a star yeah yeah so, yeah yeah but um, no, fascinating bit of history there. So my next question. Now, normally, regular listeners will know this is slightly altered because, well, this is really about Antstream, and I want to ask Mike about this particular sound. So normally this question would be, um, where do you get your, well, what do you most influenced by as a creator? And I technically mm. used it, oh, creator. But I, I shifted this question for, for you, because I wanted to make it more about one of the things that Endstream does, but it's not its primary goal. One of the things, what inspires you to actually preserve video games? Why are you, what's the thing that really drives you to do what you do right now? So I think, um, and this this is probably the same for a lot of the guys that, that work at Endstream, um, grew up with, with video games right it's uh it's not like books where books have been around or any other mediums been around for centuries games have literally started when i was born and uh, and continue so I've, I've got a real um attachment to to the medium the entertainment medium 
Um, and I've got a huge physical collection of games. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people that can't enjoy these um, anymore. Um, and our our industry, the games industry as a whole, is, is going to move to streaming just like every other entertainment. Every mass entertainment is going that direction. Um, and I was keen to preserve myself uh, what I could from things that I enjoyed as a, as a child and um, coveted as I got older. Um, and, and so when I found out about Antstream, I got very excited because it was something that I was deeply passionate about. Um, I've not got any uh, younger uh, and I'd satisfied all my uh, uh, younger gentlemen urges to make AAA games and have my names on credits. And so I really wanted to kind of move into something that um, uh, meant a lot to me. Uh, and you'll find this throughout the, the team at Antstream. A lot of this is about connecting with the games that they loved uh, and, and bringing them to new audiences, but also preserving, you know, a history that could potentially be quite easily lost. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? And we at Kane and Rinse have a internal monologue with ourselves. We don't really talk about it externally too much, as of any outlet. But one of the things we do are quite sort of forthright about internally, and sometimes a little bit externally, is that we don't recognise retro. This is the thing as a retro video game. You could argue that like, at the time of recording, Metroid Dread is a week old. Mm. Does that make it retro then? Because <laughs> yes. it's in the past. Um, games are games okay so whether it's Space War or indeed Metroid Dread um, they're all all games okay now granted they're very different experiences and we must treat games if we really are treating games as a medium then they should be treated as such and this is one of the many reasons why I I, I agreed to to, to bring you on the show because again same foundation, same thought. Mm. Want to preserve the medium itself, the experiences themselves. I mean, we're Kane and Rince. We, I've, I've personally been involved with talking about Bubble Bobble as a game. Now, thankfully, uh, Anstream helped a great deal with that because you have Bubble Bobble on yes. the service, and it's a game people think, oh, it's just that. No, no, it's not. You, you think, oh, it's straightforward. No, it's no, it's not. None of it is. An extraordinary game of depth. Uh, and mm. um, uh, it's it's really helped uh, a lot with, with that and to be able to just rather than me find my Xbox original machine put the you know the, 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 the collection of arcade games on there and put it on and then just having that effort of having I did yes. do it I did do it yeah. just like what was the original and it wasn't that much difference between what you've got on Endstream to what the um the, uh, the collection, the legendary collection, Taito or Taito mm, collection. Taito, yeah, yeah. It's the it's, it's the first collection. It's on there, and it's I only have it on the original Xbox. So I had to lug that thing out well, at the time, but uh, and it's um, and also it's on PlayStation Four as well. But it's the fact is that it's much quicker to sort of fire up, and there it is, and it, and it works on all of the things, and that mm. really, and it did work with a capital W. I mean, the latency and stuff, it just, I couldn't see it. And that's an amazing achievement, especially a game like that. Because it, it does require, certainly later on, level 40, 50s, where, you know, you're, there's certain aspects of the game requires split, sort of pixel perfect precision to get through. Um, mm. It's not, a, not an easy game. It starts off really easy, really easy to teach you the concepts. The, ram, the onboarding for. Bubble Bobble is really shallow, but then eventually this turns to a cliff face because that's an arcade, it's an arcade game. That's how they were designed. So, yeah. so getting back to the wonderful response to that, yeah, just why why keep these within, um, you know, plastic um, boxes? You know, you've seen the images on the internet of people slabbing uh, video mm. games. I just, what are you doing? No. Yeah, I, <laughs> no. I don't understand that no. at all. What are you doing? <laughs> you can't you always know, the sealed. Yeah, I can't get it. Like, what? What is that? You know. Yeah. So um, it's uh, yeah. It's the antithesis. And Steam's antithesis of that kind of video game culture. That games are meant to be played, not to be stared at. Although, having said that, I do like. I do remember and like and have an affection for the feelies. Mm. Um, 
you know, especially Infocom games. You know, we had the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and ridiculous feelies in that and 3D specs, and it's just absurd. It's great. Nevertheless, the game is also fun. Mm, Get yeah. past the certain puzzle. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> next question then, and this is universal to all guests, but um, and uh, it's a tough one to answer without you know because especially if you've got a lot of friends in the industry you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings mm. but uh, it can be more than one answer and it can be all sorts of you know people or companies i don't mind we've had the usual suspects i mean but we'll ask the question and see what response i get what developer do you most admire in the industry and why it's a great question um I find it really hard to pin it down to one because I've been inspired and influenced by so many, uh, especially being in, in the industry. Um, I think Sony was the developer I wanted to work for, uh, and I got to work for them as my first job in the games industry. Uh, you know, I found them very exciting. It felt a bit like Sega uh, when, when say, you know, when I was a, a kid growing up uh, in, you know, in the 80s and, and 90s it felt like they were creating arcade experiences um and you know as, as a business it, it had that kind of culture that was hey look this is young guys making video games um so sony was the, the 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 company that i wanted to work to work for but quite quickly after that i i started to find myself being inspired by the game uh, other game creators um uh you know Miyamoto-san and the you know the the teams that make Zelda. I'm a big fan of the Zelda series, um, and uh, love how they just make playful experiences. Um, I love what uh, the Uncharted guys do uh, with storytelling, um, and there's 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 just so many fantastic studios um indie developers as well there's indie devs where i'm like i wish i could have made that game and been part of that team um so i find it it's a really hard question and i don't think i can answer it with one because there's just so many there's so many companies that i've looked at and wanted to create something after seeing what they've created uh, i'm playing eastwood at the moment and I, I, I played about two hours of that and then got out my pad and started doing pixel art and backgrounds for, for something that could be a Mega Drive game. So inspired by what that team had done. Um, so, yeah, it, it is, uh, it is a, a number of studios and I continue to be inspired by and surprised by the creativity that people have. What a time to be alive. That's yeah. what I can say. Um, yeah. As, as a host for this show, it's not impossible to pick and choose the right title because I get flooded flooded with with uh, approaches from pr companies and developers themselves to come on and you know we have return guests of course and they always get first dibs because they've been on before and it's like it's yeah. fine <laughs> but um no it's what well, i just i just, people call it a, you know like oh i've got a pile of shame it's not it's your personal investment into the video game industry it's fine you know i mean yeah. i have a large old pile on my steam account but i am my retort to that is a my job and b um you know it's it's fine to have have that it's okay to have that that plethora of choice and mm. it's fine it's just you know and uh certainly endstream helps with that because you can nip in and out and uh it's not too much it's the the, the path of resistance is non barely there that's the point it's you're in within 30 seconds if that whereas yep. steam and the amount of times you click on a Steam game and a little grey box appears in the centre of the screen, it's like, okay, I'm just starting. Oh, no, hang on, I need to update it. <laughs> 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 you know, it's like, I haven't fired up in a week. Well, that's a week. That's a long time. Yeah. So, you know, so that's, that's a minor quibble. But, uh, you know, uh, it's just one of those things that... Uh, um, the, the state of, of games. But, yes, you're right to, to praise the fact that we are, you know, there's so many... So many, and they're really mm. very, very, very good. Very yeah. good. That's the point. It's like it's not like forty years ago, thirty years ago, when a lot of it wasn't very good. Not because <laughs> of the fault of the developers, really, it's because they didn't know what they were doing because they didn't know any better, hadn't learned yep. the core design concepts, which is what we champion on this show. That's the point. Development of games. It's not just the technology, everyone. 
contrary to what the mainstream media do, it still bothers me that the tech section in newspapers, remember those? Still yep. reviews video games. Like, why? <laughs> you don't do that to film, and that's a technology. So, what? I don't, maybe they'll, yeah, it's when the certain generation moves on, they realize that they should move that to the culture now. Yep. Anyway, we can dream. Speaking of video <laughs> games and playing them, mm. what are you playing right now, Mike? I am playing uh, Demons of Asterburg on my Sega Mega Drive. Um, and I am playing Eastwood. Um, and I'm about, uh, and I have I've not played this yet, but I'm about to start playing Cuphead. Um, I've, I've got a live stream that I have as well. And uh, uh, my audience have been asking me to play Cuphead for, for ages. And it's just a game I've not got around to. But again, looked at and thought, wow, uh, there's guys that have been inspired by something that's decades old and, and tried to recreate it in game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to um, dying a lot in that game. Yes. Yes, you will. In a very, <laughs> very beautiful way. You yes. know what? I remember, because I'm very old, I remember when the launch of the PlayStation 2, the 2, I was there at E3 in 2000, sitting in the audience, and everyone's getting very excited because they're about to release it. And everyone's saying, oh, we're going to have... They kept using the phrase, Toy Story graphics. That was the man, that was the ridiculous yes. phrase people were using. Uh, it's absurd, but that's what they were hoping for because they were, they were... As much as they loved the PlayStation, and I do, I have a grey one, I have a small PS1 and one as well. And, you know, I found the warp te- warping textures kind of, you know, um, charming. But after a while... Uh, it would have been nice for them not to do that. So let's go. Let's can we make everything brown instead? Oh, sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm I'm messing with you. But uh, uh, the point being is that you know it didn't quite happen. Of course, uh, it didn't happen until or now, because then we could finally play those cartoons. You know, and yeah. the, the technology was been there for a while. But the problem is, and people didn't understand it, and people were wondering. Why was it taking so long to make Cuphead? Because if you remember, it was announced some time ago and didn't actually drop until two or three years. It it was almost up there with, you know, like a, a vaporware title. People did accuse it of being so because it looked fantastic. It was going, no, no one's going to be able to play this. And the problem being, as I know as you are a developer yourself, it was the assets. Mm. Making all of those assets. The actual yep. core game was, was strong, although they tweaked it and more than tweaked it and modified it heavily towards the end of its development but the you know it's the assets that's what took so because all of those animations all of them all of them and it's just that's the we've got to take our hats off to them that's when i see that as as a commentator to to, to look at that sheer amount of effort so I know you'd recognise that when you stream it. You'd be probably... I was just not... would be surprised if you pause it sometimes and go, look at this. Yeah. You know? I, I'd yeah. hope you would. You know, to share it with your yeah. audience. Going, Sorry, we need to pause. Look at this. Look at this yep. and how it's all... And just drink that in. And that's really important. And, yeah, best of luck with, with, with Cuphead. And what's that first, <laughs> first game you mentioned? Mega Drive game, did you say? Uh, it is Demons of Asterburg. It right. is a brand new game for okay. the mega drive so ah. um, one thing that i'm really enjoying at the moment uh, is giving developers who are creating new games for old cold souls uh, a bit of a platform to shout about what they're creating um but yeah these guys have created it's a a triple a um mega drive platformer a metroidvania style game um very well done very very well done uh, great animation crafted it beautifully they've got it on steam and i think on switch and other platforms but um i think having it on the mega drive just feels like such a, an achievement to see something so f- visually fantastic but also with modern game design sensibilities playing out on a console that's 30 years old uh that wasn't you know I, its creators could never have envisioned something like uh, something like this running on it. So uh, that I get a huge amount of pleasure out of it at the moment. I do love that. It's like when you're going back in time. It's like, okay, I'm going to tell myself, go back in time, get hold of myself, grab a scruff on the neck and go, stop doing this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is how this works. And you go through all this design. Like The technology, we can't do No, you can. The technology can do this. That's not the problem anymore. 
it's it's really your under under your assumptions about the game itself, the actual mm. the, the the art of game creation and its design. That's what's yep. missing. That was them, um, you know. And I'm sure developers at the time, some of them recognised it. Some of the better ones. I'm looking at Ultimate and Rare. They realised that oh, that's what you know. That's why Jetpack. I, you know, I freely admit the first game I played on my Xbox Series X when I first got it back in on launch because it was one of the few. Um, and that's the first game I played because I thought it was funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I, just, I, just, I just turned it on. I said, "What should I do?" Oh look, that's there. <laughs> I just do that because so it it's funny. And it was. It was like you know. I eventually played Valhalla, and you know, it's like the um, not Spectrum game Valhalla, but the the um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah. Uh, I eventually did that to test it all out. But I thought this is, <laughs> and you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 wonderful to see these modern modern games mm. um, being put onto old platforms, and more power to them. Because um, I know the you know, we we're talking about the fact that it was very. You had to hit the hardware to get it to work. It's definitely memory addresses. That's all it is. Mm. Series of switches. Yep. <laughs> so that's all it is. And then switches upon switches upon switches. And that's that's all you've got. And then you go, what the... So he's, he's, you want to make his hair blue? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll look better. I'm sure it would. Sure. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take? Week. What? Yeah. Yes. Why? Yeah, I, re- I remember using Klutz. Uh, and it was like, if you talk to, to uh, young developers now and say, right, what we do is you get your color palette out and make sure yeah. you section off certain colors from your color palette. Yes. And then you can change those colors to make different pictures. Yes. Why don't you just make another texture or yeah. use a shader? Yeah. <laughs> no, because there's no memory. Nothing. Yeah. Well, people ask, you know, why is the N64 like, why is all the textures muddy? Because they had four kilobytes. Yes. Four. Did you say kilobytes? I did. Right. Yeah. That's why. That's why. Yeah. Insane. So no matter what you do, it's like, oh, we can make it RGB. Why is it still fuzzy? Because that's why. <laughs> anyway, fantastic ride out of game. So yeah, I'm just going to checking some of those out when I'm not playing games that just require me to blink. Anyway. <laughs> um, so let's move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into Antstream. First question. It's a request mm. more than a question. Best of luck with this, by the way. Okay. What is Anstream? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, so I think Anstream for me is a, uh, a merging of what's coming next in gaming uh, and using that for what's come before. Um, you know, it's where classic gaming meet uh, modern gaming technology. So uh, we know that there's not much longer uh, for physical media as a mainstream way of consuming games. Uh, You know, it it will always be there as a hobbyist thing, just like vinyl records are. Uh, But mainstream gaming is moving into into cloud gaming. Um, And so we've used that technology to start bringing back and preserving the things that we love. Um, and uh, that's where kind of Antstream is born, where we want these classic games to be available for everyone to play uh, and to continue. So, you know, as 
when Sony closed their PlayStation 3 store, you know, Antstream has his hand up saying, hey, look, why not bring these games onto the platform? Uh, and, and so if we can build Antstream into the gaming platform where maybe you don't get the modern experiences, but the stuff you played as a kid, the stuff you want to show your kids, uh, you want to look back at the games 40, 50, 60 years ago, you know, you could you can go on to Antstream and be able to play those those games. Um, and then we do some other things in there. We, we built a competition layer in there and a friend's land. We'll, we'll add other features to help you engage with these games in other ways. But in essence, it, it is we're trying to build the catalog of gaming um, with technology that allows us to, to bring that to everyone. Yeah, so just to be explained, expand further, everyone. So it's a streaming service that has a very, very, very large catalog of games uh, that date quite far back and also how older old your oldest one you maybe you know that i can't remember i did some digging i think the earliest i could find was 1979 82 yeah. some of that kind of that period uh no we at kind of rinse we featured asteroids uh on an episode and that's an amazing game because people don't realize that little bill which is the tiny little spaceship does have mm. an ai routine it does yes and it hunts it's a hunter seeker it's trying to hunt you down, and it's very fast and very small. And you ever notice how hard it is to kill? That's why. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so to have that, and it's and, and then right through to from what I can see, it's kind of like uh, mid early nineties, uh, sort of like Amiga sixty. All the way, early twenty. Early two thousands. Two thousands. Sorry. Yeah. Apologies. We're about yeah. to. Yeah, we're we're about to go beyond the uh, early two thousands uh, within the next uh, six months as well, which is Fantastic. good. Fantastic. Yeah. So, and it's all streamed uh, mm-hmm. in like like Google Stadia if you want to uh, like comparative comparative uh, or indeed play PlayStation Now, uh, which is something I've used uh, to 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 stream some games onto my PlayStation Five. Oh yeah, again I have one of the three people in the country own one. um uh and uh oddly enough it's my favorite current gen machine hey i know Mm. i just kind of like it it's the the haptics on the controller very nice um but um no it's 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 it is a a, a system uh actually being a, a wonderful sort of way of accessing these games and one thing that really differentiates it from many other platforms is it's very very fast you get to play in the game way quicker in fact it can be quite alarming when you hit play and you're expecting a, a loading bar to play because that's what you're conditioned to be that way mm. the amount of times i'm like oh okay i'd like to have a quick go of something let's have a go at defender even i'm still bad at it everyone thinks it's just so tough anyway and you have a quick and you, and you just it's there it is just there, everyone. It just doesn't. There's no delay. It's just like you're immediately in. You can, you know, the the, the promise of having a ten minute quick jump in. It it's, it exists thanks to yep. stream. So, and there's something else that you've done. This is leading on to my first proper design question about Antstream, which is a platform. Mm. Um, there's something called challenges, which I think you hinted at, enough, but there's something you developed these. This has been around for a very long time. I think since. And stream came into being, which is a little mm. while ago. And I, in a full transparency, I did actually back it on Kickstarter and stuff. And I was very happy to be a founder member and still remain a, paid, a, a fully paid up member. So there it is. You, you know, that's where I'm coming from. However, we'll be sort of talking about things that are, you know, about aspects of it. But the challenges, there are weird little, I'm going to say weird, sorry, but they are in a good way. Not everything weird is bad. Um, is that they are challenges that you you set up a series of like criteria that you have to meet like um survive for 30 seconds which seems like how how could that be or survive a robot without shooting anything for 30 seconds or something like that how how could that be no impossible (laughs) you know you might (laughs) you might get 10 seconds you might you know look um so tell us about and these challenges have you could actually compete against your friends within that yes. stream community you can actually all compete against a global sort of like leaderboard yep. and you actually have people tiers and you get 
points for it and like little like rewards and you can do things with your icons and logos and all sorts of wonderful, wonderful things. But it's just a it is a subscription service and it's not this pay to win nonsense. That's not there. It's just not there. It's just the added little stuff, flares and stuff to just to enhance the experience. The philosophy is, yes, you're paying for a subscription service to access to this vast library, which continues to grow uh, week on week out. And there are you know, new games announced weekly basis, if not more. And um, you just create these weird challenges to actually create a different aspect of the game you'd never really considered. Mm, yes. How do you design them? Um, it's, you know, it challenges are a great, uh, unique part of, of Antstream. Um, something I think that, that people need to understand first off is that unlike something like a PlayStation platform or an Xbox platform or a Stadia platform, you don't buy the games. Um, you have access to every single game so you can play whatever you want. Um, and I think what challenges or one of the things that challenges does for, uh, for this huge catalog of gaming is basically allow you to sample a bit of the game in a fun way. Um, so we do back engineer these games. Uh, so we've got a couple of extremely skilled coders that, that go in, uh, they go into the game, see what's exposed, uh, what things can they change, switch off, turn on. Um, and, and then from that, we sit down and figure out, Hey, what, what can we make from this? What, what kind of game can we design? It's kind of like short design sessions of, uh, of, of a game. So it could be, it's like, okay, let's, let's have, um, a, a shmup where you're, um, flying along, but you've got no way of shooting. Um, and, and you've got to last as long as you can. Uh, and that suddenly becomes a challenge. We add a timer to it, uh, and now we have something where you're competing for 30, 40 seconds uh, against your friends, or against yourself, against the world uh, in, in one of these challenges. Um, and so it really depends on what kind of game we've got and what's exposed. You know, some allow you to change the sprites and you can swatch the, uh, switch the sprites around. Um, some of them have controls. You can change the controls. Some allow us a lot more uh, access into the game and we can do a lot more uh, experimental, more in-depth challenges with them. Uh, but essentially, it's us manipulating uh, the game and its parameters to create something that the game wasn't necessarily meant to do but do it in a really fun way, a way that keeps you keeps you engaged. Um, and one of the really interesting and cool things that I only found out about the other day is that our developers have actually, by doing this, are starting to find secret levels or things that were never published or Easter eggs that have never been found, um, which is also something that we're looking at starting to document and kind of put out there. Like, oh, did you know that this game actually had a secret level that never was, uh, was exposed? Um, but that's essentially what challenges are. Uh, allows us to kind of manipulate and change certain aspects of, of the game, um, which you then have to compete against. Um, no, you know, last as long as you can. Uh, you've only got a, a limited number of, of bullets. Uh, jump has been taken away from you. Your controls reverse every 10 seconds. Um, sprite changes constantly. So these these kind of things. I think for me, one of the, most entertaining challenges was for Bomb Jack. Score as many points without losing your life. Simple as that. As soon as you lose your life, oh, that's it. You're done. I yeah. think that was it. Or it might have been a timer. I think it was actually, could have been, I can't remember. But I do remember there was some very strange artificial limitation. And all of a sudden, previously on Bomb Jack, I would just be like, I'll just collect the bomb. Just, just, I don't care. Just, is it on fire? Is, is the fuse on? Doesn't really matter. I'll just, I'll just get the bomb. I just need to get out of this so I can get to the next one because I was just amassing points by any means necessary. Uh, whereas in this, when I was playing this, I like, know oh, I can't do that. They ain't going to fly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. You're going to have to, you have to memorize the fuses. So for listening, if you're not familiar with Bomb Jack, it's a very strange sort of 2D platform game kind of ish and you're playing bomb jack who's this little person who can kind of fly but he can't he just jumps really high and then can float down a bit kind of and he just has to collect these bombs and if you're collecting them in the order that their diffusers are lit you get bonus points and if you do that throughout the whole level you get bonus 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 points and that's the point of the game you're actually meant to be doing that and that taught me that aspect of the game so yes we have this artificial sort of like construct that you've foisted upon the challenge and then that then fed into the main game itself and then ever since then i've become a much better bomb jack player so thanks for that because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's one of my it, it is, arcade games. i would say like game. 
Yeah, and uh, there's so many challenges that I've played where I'm like, I'm sure I won't like this game. I'm quite <laughs> sure. That, like, looking at this game, I'm not going to like it. And then an hour later, I'm still playing the challenge. And and I think it challenges, like I said, they help with discoverability, but they also give you a new appreciation for either a game you've not played or a game that you have played in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, and and there's yeah. a number of games like... Uh, lock and chase challenge i challenged my friends to and they're like uh i'm not interested in television games 16 bit is all me uh we had a quick go on it and they were addicted and they were like i love this <laughs> yeah um and and they went off and explored the game as, as well but uh, i think they do a great job of just introducing you to something you may not have considered before absolutely so this leads us on to our next question all these questions are designed to lead on to each other it's almost as if i set it out like that weird <laughs> how do you create curate is a terrible word but how do you curate the content within endstream what do you do do you what do you point at because as we said earlier a lot of the games in the in the early times weren't so great uh and uh maybe they need their time to shine but it doesn't necessarily mean to be in endstream so you have a mm. vast hundreds of thousands of games i, I do think it's up there that, that kind of number because you know if you consider the zx spectrum for example that had ten thousand games made for it that's not an exaggeration. That genuinely is how many games were made for it. Um, so what do you do? What's, what's your criteria? Can you sort of give us a bit of a peek beyond a curtain for that? Um, well, we're definitely looking... So first of all, our, our CEO, uh, Steve, wants every game. Uh, <laughs> every game on the platform. And he's not even joking when we say this. It's it's go after every game. Get everything you can. Now, obviously, the the more exciting, the more popular games are easier to track down but also bring more people to the platform obviously we we want to be semi-successful so we can continue this um so we we do bring on uh, the popular games um but we are hunting down games that are now in the hands of private collectors or uh, people that didn't know they had it because it's been sold off um, we're even looking at games that never got a release um and bringing those to the platform um we're looking at uh, some of these indie developers who create games for um the platforms that we have so you know i talked about uh, demons of asterberg or um uh, any one of these new games that are coming out for for different platform for old platforms and see if we can bring those um to the platform so it's there's there's kind of the low hanging fruit i hate that term but there's the low hanging fruit which is uh the very popular big games that everyone wants we're definitely bringing in those uh, but we're also looking at you know the obscure um because that that's part of preserving this and and whilst it's not everyone's favorite game it was someone's favorite game um and yeah. and so bringing that to the you know trying to bring that to the platform the problem is is trying to then get them into our system which takes a long time uh and so you know we got 1300 games licensed um uh, in game and we got like a double that that are licensed and waiting to come into the game so uh the the biggest trouble for us is uh, we'll go out do all this work but then trying to get them in fast is is the challenge that we we've got to get over you raised a very important point there about licensed, and I didn't make mention that. We haven't done that because we made an assumption, but we shouldn't do that, part of the audience. All of this is legal and licensed and sourced from the owners of the of the code, of the license of the game itself. Now, this is something mm. I've spoken about at length with people, not people don't really understand outside the industry. When you buy a game, you don't actually own the game. You only own the right to play it under a strict user license which is really dry and odd and no one could enforce it. Well, it depends. It can be enforced in recent years. Uh, but certainly when you get, like, even from the Atari 2600 days, you bought a cartridge, you could only play that game on an Atari 2600 or a ColecoVision. Let's not go there, but you know what I mean. You could only yeah. plug it into a device and in order for it to run. That's the license. That was your agreement. You couldn't copy it. You couldn't do anything with it. You don't own it. You only own the right to use it under a strict license. And uh, whereas Antstream, uh, you, your license is with Antstream itself, is a subscription. And then they, they, they you as Antstream, then deal with the other really messy and complex legal issues of actually getting these games on legal and making sure that they are suitably paid royalties and what have you for the rights to do this because mm -hmm. they they have the right to do this because they made this okay typically always i know that i get that but typically the people who are getting 
rewarded for their efforts are being rewarded for their efforts. And that's really important. And I wanted to make sure that everyone understands that. It's that it's not a, it's a service that is very much from the outset, from its very foundations, something they want to actually look. It's great that you want to play these games, but in many cases we can't the real the, the, you know abandonware is not a term. It's not real. Um, you know, people say that, for example, Civilization One and Two are abandonware. It's absurd, but that's what they say. It's this. It's just like really, really. Um, you know, it's, it's 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 you know, rather than deal with that horrible muddy water, you get you cut through all that. And say, look, you just want to play these games. That's awesome. I get that, but don't you want to do it while respecting the creator of those games? Surely, surely. Mm. So that's one of the things that um, is, is quite important. The fact you're diving into into like the vast catalogue of games and trying to push that. And, and speaking about the obscure. One of my favourite games of all time, but most people don't know, is Tower City on the Spectrum. It's an amazing game. It has adventure, yep. space shooting, tactics, strategy, all in one game. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And uh, it's something I've spoken about a lot. It's cited as one of the most obscure titles. Even though it wasn't that obscure, it had a funky little silver triangular box and it did push it you know it did push the boat out when they released it but most people haven't really played it or know about it and it's just one of those titles i like to point out like that should have been recognized as much as mercenary which eventually became no man's sky Uh, (laughs) um, it's true and like that should have been like up there with sentinel or something like that it should have been everyone should point to that the same you know echelon of that or, Mm. or you know but it's not and thankfully, game uh, systems like yourself, like you actually go, you know what? Look, look at this. Look, look at that. Isn't that awesome? So, thanks for that. Pleasure. <laughs> Third question. Here we go. Now, this one we have to address it because it's the proverbial elephant in the room. Yes, we're full of cliches in the show. We've been pinting them out. If you're doing a drink, if you're doing a cliche, you probably need to go to the A and E right now. But point being. I want to ask you about the biggest technical challenges that you're facing now and in the past, but currently I think it's probably more relevant. What are you finding? Because I must admit there are times when I'm sitting there playing and then all of a sudden it glitches out. It just doesn't quite function, doesn't do what I wanted it to do and it stops or I get kicked out or what have you. What are you finding? What are you having to do to make things as as solid as you can? Well, I mean, streaming is obviously uh, a, a relatively new technology i mean we we watch films and and listen to music over it but we've only been really doing that for the last 10 years or so so uh, in terms of uh, things in our lives it, it's new so and for us it, it does continue to be a challenge but a challenge that gets easier uh and i think you know this is one of the amazing things about the games industry is that um it's an industry that continues to to push against challenges and solve them uh and i i think you know for us latency um, uh, you know, stream quality. These are all things that we continue to push against to improve. Uh, and I'm quite sure that in five years, when we play Ant Stream, uh, the things we're talking about now as problems won't exist. Uh, and I, you know, I'm quite confident in saying that because I've been in the games industry for a while now, and I've seen, you know, like. You're never going to get graphics that good. You're never going to be able to get a character that can think. You're never going to be able to play online with 64 people and and it, it drop out. You're never. All these things that were never possible uh, are now just taken for granted. Uh, and so, yep, we have you know we're streaming over the internet, and if something happens to it, uh, there's a problem. But there's there's things we can do in the background. Maybe we can start buffering things to your machine, so you know it's not a problem, or um, you know just the infrastructure itself uh, improves. Uh, and then there's latency. Uh, you know, one of the big things people always ask us is, can we can we do uh, speed runs? Um, and why don't we just have the world speed running competitions? It'd be awesome. And we're like, yeah, that would be awesome, but speedrunners are very particular about the hardware and making sure everything's precise but there will come a time where it's indistinguishable um and and maybe something different for speedrunning comes up where people are, are able to kind of take advantage of the the streaming technology to to do speedrunning so again i think these are they're all challenges but in the games industry you know 
the challenge that you've got today is is gone within months or years and you're on to the next big thing how do we solve this um but those remain our two big things but like i said i i don't see them being uh, around for too much longer no and it's it's, it's i've i've personally found it like very 99 times out of 100 perfectly fine um just sitting there playing i think it was i think it was defend i was playing for quite a while it might have been Gallagher or Galaxians. Can't remember which one it was. I do like Gallagher though. Uh, I don't know why. Just, I'm just drawn to it. Uh, it's a game that I like because um, I just like it when they dive bottom you need to take them out just as they're about to. Still very satisfying after all these decades. But no, I think you do a fantastic job. And the fact that I play on the variety of machines, my two mm. primary machines that I play on is my my gaming PC because it's nice to just sort of like while I'm sitting there watching a video to render, you know, it's not particularly interesting or or podcast to render. Um, I just flick it on and just wait for it rather than sitting there what looking at the the bar. I go, you know what? I can shoot some aliens. Right here we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I do have a controller on my PC always plugged in. It's always there sitting there because I play most of my games with it on my PC with it. And then the other thing uh, I use is my uh, Amazon Fire Stick. Mm. So I just click, click down, and I've actually got an 8-bit do um, uh, controller, which does all the things. And yep. uh, that, I just sit there with that, with my and my other television in my, my living room. And that's that's quite nice to do, to fire that up as well. So there's a you couldn't be more opposite. We have a very powerful gaming PC and a small stick the size of someone's finger. And it can yes. still, still run mainstream it's perfectly yeah. fine so that's what i tell people how much it costs well how much are you willing to not spend <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, i mean you can't even i've done it i've even like had a go playing the games with the uh fire stick uh, remote control it's not great but it can be done no it can, it can be, be done. done yeah it's <laughs> it's it's sometimes scary how um good the stream can be and you don't really you completely forget yes um and i was playing a month ago i was playing zero tolerance on um on ant stream and completely forgot that i wasn't playing on on the the original mega drive uh and then went and played it on the mega drive uh and for for, for a couple of minutes i was like why is I've got none of the stuff that I had before. Why is why is like the stuff that I put in? Oh, hang on a minute. That was on yeah, a different machine different I was playing. Machine. Yeah, I, yeah. I find so. the screen start the the borders and everything starts to melt away. You've done a really good job of that of the coloring. I don't sort of mm. feedback to your team, but the the UI, which is a very difficult thing to develop for, uh, it melting away and it just getting engrossed in the game itself. But always in the background, you know, I can quit at any time and play something entirely different. Yeah, uh, that's that's really important. So, uh, yeah, so and and save yeah, where you are as well. I think save, that's a, a yes, a, yes, save, yes, <laughs> yes. I I have no idea how I played these games when I was uh, back in the eighties without save. Uh, well, it's something I, you know, because of the you know hand-to-eye coordination as an older person, I do like to say the joke about the fact that you know you. If you see something on the screen, you tell your thumb, could you press the cross button, please? And it's like, the, the what button? The cross button. The cross button. The one you're resting on. Well, this one. Yeah, please press it. What now? No, no, about 10 seconds ago. Oh, okay. Let me just press it now then. And then it does it. And you go, thanks. This <laughs> <laughs> is what happens. So that's what's going on. So, yeah, I used to be able to play Super Metroid pretty good, but now not so much. Yeah. But, you know, there's ways and means to actually play it on the Switch and stuff and what have you. But, yeah, you can actually do Save states are a, an absolute amazing thing that, mm. uh, yeah, do make games more palatable. But what I love the fact that you address the issue of difficulty by throwing challenges at people who want that. So, oh, you want to make it hard? Fine. There you go. Now it's even harder than it was originally designed to be. How's that? Yep. Have them apples. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Now, my last question, Mike. I oh, know, all good things must come to an end, but here we are. At least I hope you think it was good. Um, I want to ask you, this is a bit, a bit of a controversial question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because in the land of Mr., okay, mm-hmm. there's FPGPA for platforms, I can't remember the acronym, but you know what I mean? There's those, 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 is yep. it emulation or not? I, I, I'm not going to go there. But the point is, it's like replicating the hardware with hardware. Um, 
there's ways you can actually then exploit that fact that all of a sudden this game is running on a processor that's a thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand more powerful than it originally was if you adhere to Moore's law. So, have you ever considered, or is there? Maybe I haven't found it, and forgive me if this has already been done. But is there any plans, or has been plans, to create different versions of the game? You can still play the original as it was intended, but have you ever considered actually just releasing it, or a version of the game that's slightly enhanced, because it makes it more playable? Have you ever thought about doing things like that? It's uh, a little bit challenging because we do abide by official licensing terms. So mm. there's there's things we we um, can agree and and can't agree on with um, with licensors. Challenges is one of those things that we've managed to get in there. Um, I think the, the the challenge comes from those people that do not want their games to be uh, manipulated beyond challenges, um, and. Um, I think it's certainly possible and not out of the realms of impossibility of us doing in the future. It's just making sure we kind of build those into all the legal eagle kind of things where we're like, Hey, we want to be able to do this with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great idea. Um, and I'm going to go back and sell that off as my own. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not going to take it as my own either. I, I'm, I've been inspired by Mr. And, specifically the spectrum next the spectrum next mm. has a zat processor that runs at the base 3.5 hertz then goes up to 28 hertz and you can actually play certain games that were originally released for the spectrum that were running at very slow and then you just crank up the processor and in some cases the game goes okay i'm just increasing the cycles so you can now actually see things without flicker and it's all fluid and suddenly goes running off and most of the time it makes it unplayable sometimes <laughs> you can actually get something more from it you get an enhancement you get a you know and it could be things you could do and i was thinking more on the lines of the more obscure esoteric sort of games mm. and the 8-bit machines that you could actually t- make them sing even more yeah. than because certainly towards the latter part of their their life, they did have some amazing titles for them. But if you just sort of cranked up the processing speed and the cycles, like, oh, and I'm not saying that's the default setting. You could just say, "Do you want to make it run at 60 hertz or something?" I don't know. Would you want to do that? Do you want to make it run at twice the speed for for funsies? Then yeah. knock yourself out. And I just think it would be a nice sort of thing to think about. But that's just, I mean. I'm sure you're constantly looking at these ideas and future development because there's so many things you could do within the confines of the legal agreements that could be reasonably reached yeah. with the license holders. I really appreciate that. But that's yeah. just one of the things I've thought. Of. I mean, I don't think you're going to get pushed back from the retro community because they already embrace it anyway, a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them sort of like, you know, for example, let me give an example. Um, Doom on the Mega Drive does kind of exists but only in a 32x but now they've done it again on an sd card <laughs> yes <laughs> you can actually stream the data from the sd card into the whatever device i think it's the mega sd i do have one that then runs but it's the, the, at this point you go oh, sorry what's the mega drive doing not much <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know or you, or you have like you know i have a vectrex or a raspberry pi shoved into the side of it what do you think it does? Yeah, exactly. Who's doing all the heavy <laughs> lifting? It's not a Vectrex anymore. I know that. Yeah. I'm not stupid. But I'm just thinking, having explored, explored this avenue of, you know, mm. these these extraordinarily tiny circuit boards that are 100,000 times powerful than the machine they're plugged into, which is um, then people are just doing very strange things with them. I'm just thinking maybe it's something Antstream should look at and go, is there something? Because it's still very expensive to do and very niche. Yeah. And you still need original hardware to get the most out of it. And here you are going, well, rather than having the hobbyist and niche, like, tiny audience dealing with that, because it is a very small audience, let's bring that into the fold of Anstream and see what we can mess with. But, again, I understand the legal restrictions. Yeah, I really like the idea. I can now, you know, as you're talking about, I'm like, right, pause menu, and then you've got pro mode. Yeah. You bring up pro mode, and you can start messing around stuff. And you could even have filters so if you don't want to go in there and do individual tweaks maybe we've got predefined filters that you yep. kind of switch on and it, it affects uh, yeah i really like that and it, it's the thing is is that with with antstream because people are, it's 
it's the people that like it are passionate about the content that's on there. Uh-huh. Um, there's always new ideas coming from people. Like I was on another podcast last week where someone was talking about arcade overlays. I was like, why don't we have that? Uh, so you can have the black border if you want, but also you could flick through and choose your arcade overlay for the original well, game. Yeah, it's what um, it's what um, Namco do with their collections, don't they? Mm. they? They they you know I love playing Dig Dug, weird weird game, uh, but I just I don't know why I like playing it. It's just after my little bout of Animal Crossing, although that's not a game anymore. It's just part of my chores. Generally, yes. is. it is. <laughs> so I've got to do weed Animal Crossing. What? Just to, it's got to do my laundry and I'm crossing you know. <laughs> and <laughs> after it I'll play Dig Dug for 20 minutes because and it's got all the you know it's just all the, all there so yeah. yeah you're right but again it might be a licensing issue but I'm sure you they would entertain that idea like yeah it enhances the experience why wouldn't we want to have our exquisitely mm. designed and beautifully labelled and colourful because and, it did pop out didn't they it's one of the things that we were yeah. there for when they weren't that covered in cake of smoke sorry everyone being old again sorry yeah that was the thing people used to smoke inside without any 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 qualms very strange so mike and stream is a thing it's a subscription service how much does it cost could you give us i mean it'd be good to have an international cost by the way not just it's currently free so you can subscribe, uh, and I think it's now seven ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be honest, I haven't looked at it for a while because we've no. been free for a year. Yeah. Um, but we are going to be renewing and looking at our subscription model, uh, and uh, that that will probably mean a, a drop in price for everyone as well, okay. uh, with okay. with more options in in ways to engage. Nice, nice. And uh, what platforms is it available for? Uh, so it's on uh, Mac and PC and Android. Uh, it's Linux and it's on Android. Uh, uh, Amazon Fire TV mm-hmm. um, it is on Nvidia Shield. Yeah, uh, and we're about to add all the other platforms over the next few months as well. That's uh, so, amazing because yeah. as much as I, I mean, I, there are times when I go, I would like that on my PlayStation Five. It'd be very nice. You know, I mean, the fact that I own one, I've mentioned this earlier, but, you know, it would be nice to, to experience yep. that. It's, it's a, and having to be able to play it with that controller, I'm just saying, it'd be very nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, give us give us a few more months of development and uh, you should start seeing all those uh, other gaming platforms uh, with Antstream on. Excellent. Well, Mike, it's been fantastic having you on. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back. Because maybe Thank you very much. a year from now, or maybe six, seven months from now, like stuff's happened. We've done all these new things. We need to have another chat, uh, and we're more, more, more than welcome to come along. Like I said, our, our, uh, you, you'll be pushing against an open door. Uh, Excellent. Because we're at uh, we're at uh, Kane and Rince are of like mind. We have our own way of delivering the content. You actually deliver streaming games. We talk about them in detail. Because they need to be talked about in detail because they deserve that kind of attention. But in the meantime, thanks very much. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, Cane and Rinse dot com